5K every day in the month of May 2022 podcast. I'm Jeff Pullen, and today is Sunday, May 29. For those of you who attempted and or completed the 5K Mayhem bonus challenge, well done. You should be super proud of yourself. You almost earned yourself a day off. But not really. The 5K May 2022 challenge does not allow for rollover miles, so even though many of us ran and or walked a total of at least 37.2 miles yesterday... Today is a new day. Today requires its own 5K. So good job. Now go back out there and use those dreadfully tired legs to get another 5K in today. And to help you get started, here's a song from Poland Band called Deliver Me. God be the light unto my feet. Don't let the night devour me because I am yours completely God be my life deliver me you are the key eternal Lord here in this life and evermore when i fall down before your throne in heaven i will be your own highest praise, honor and love belong to you for all you've done. For you have sent your only son to conquer sin and lead me God be the light 
onto my feet Don't let the night devour me Because I am yours completely God be my light, deliver Today's Daily Fun Photo Challenge is to run or walk your daily 5K on a local school track. Especially for those who participated in the 5K Mayhem Challenge yesterday, that nice, soft track should feel as good on your back, feet, hips, and joints as anything possibly could. This week's Bible memory verse is Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let's go ahead and jump back into our daily Bible reading. We are nearing the end of the Gospel of John. Chapter 17. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one whom you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost, except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them, so they can be made holy by your truth. 
I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. I love the insight that we get here in John 17. We see a glimpse into the intimate personal prayer time of our Lord Jesus. Having spoken the words that he felt it was necessary to say to his disciples, he lifts his eyes to heaven at the beginning of John 17, and he begins to pour his heart out to his father in prayer. And one of the most interesting lines in the entire prayer, I think, is located right near the beginning in John 17, 3, which says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And I'm not sure what your picture of eternal life is. I mean, personally, I have several different images running through my mind when I think about this idea of eternal life. I mean, I think about streets of gold. I think of reuniting with family members who have passed. I think of angels, elders, and saints surrounding the throne of God in worship. But here in John 17, 3, I believe we see the essence of eternal life, which is simply knowing God. God is not merely the way by which we are able to access the treasure of eternal life. God is the treasure. Author and pastor John Piper once said it this way. He says, the critical question for our generation and for every generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw and all the physical pleasures you ever tasted and no human conflict or any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ were not there? And how we answer that question, I believe, reveals whether or not we even understand what eternal life is all about. Heaven without Jesus would be eternal hell. There's an old unsubstantiated legend about a young Albert Einstein who once humiliated his university professor with a series of questions. And according to that legend, the exchange goes something like this. A university professor challenged his students with this question. Did God create everything that exists? At that, a student bravely replied, yes, he did. God created everything? The professor asked. Yes, sir, the student replied. The professor answered, If God created everything, then God created evil, since evil exists. And according to the principle that our works define who we are, then God is evil. The student became quiet before such an answer. The professor was quite pleased with himself and boasted to the students that he had proven once more that the Christian faith was nothing more than a myth. Then another student raised his hand and asked, Can I ask you a question, professor? Of course, replied the professor. The student stood up and asked, Professor, does cold exist? What kind of question is this? Of course cold exists. Have you never been cold? The student snickered at the young man's question. The young man then replied, In fact, sir, cold does not exist. According to the laws of physics, what we consider cold is, in reality, just the absence of heat. Every body or object is susceptible to study when it has or transmits energy. And heat is what makes a body or matter have or transmit energy. Absolute zero, or negative 460 degrees Fahrenheit, is the total absence of heat. 
all matter becomes inert and incapable of reaction at that temperature. So cold does not exist. We have created this word simply to define and describe how we feel if we have no heat. The student continued, Professor, does darkness exist? The professor responded, Of course it does. The student replied, Once again, you're wrong, sir. Darkness does not exist either. Darkness is, in reality, just the absence of light. Light we can study, but not darkness. In fact, we can use Newton's prism to break white light into many colors and study the various wavelengths of each color. You cannot measure darkness. A simple ray of light can break into a world of darkness and illuminate it. How can you know how dark a certain space is? You measure the amount of light present. Isn't that correct? Darkness is actually just a term used by man to describe what happens when there is no light present. Finally, the young man asked the professor, Sir, does evil exist? Now uncertain, the professor responded, Of course, as I've already said, we see it every day. It is in the daily example of man's inhumanity to man. It is in the multitude of crime and violence everywhere in the world. These manifestations are nothing else but evil. And to this, the student replied, Evil does not exist, sir, or at least it does not exist unto itself. Evil is simply the absence of God. It is just like darkness and cold, a word that man has created to describe the absence of God. God did not create evil. Evil is not like faith or love that exists just as does light and heat. Evil is the result of what happens when man does not have God's love present in his heart. It's like the cold that comes when there is no heat or the darkness that comes when there is no light. Now, though this story most likely never factually took place, the points within remain. Like cold that comes when there is no heat and like darkness that comes when there is no light, evil truly is the result of what happens in the absence of God. Chapter 18. After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him, so he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for? He asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. Once more he asked them, Who are you looking for? And again they replied, Jesus the Nazarene. I told you that I am he, Jesus said. And since I am the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those you have given me. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? So the soldiers, their commanding officer, and the temple guards arrested Jesus and tied him up. First they took him to Annas, because he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest at the time. Caiaphas was the one who had told the other Jewish leaders, it's better that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did another of the disciples. That disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Peter had to stay outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching at the gate, and she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, you're not one of that man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I am not. Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. They stood around it, warming themselves, and Peter stood with them, warming himself. 
Inside, the high priest began asking Jesus about his followers and what he had been teaching them. Jesus replied, Everyone knows what I teach. I have preached regularly in the synagogues and the temple where the people gather. I have not spoken in secret. Why are you asking me this question? Ask those who heard me. They know what I said. Then one of the temple guards standing nearby slapped Jesus across the face. Is that the way to answer the high priest? He demanded. Jesus replied, If I said anything wrong, you must prove it. But if I'm speaking the truth, why are you beating me? Then Annas bound Jesus and sent him to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire warming himself, they asked him again, You're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, No, I am not. But one of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Again, Peter denied it, and immediately a rooster crowed. Jesus' trial before Caiaphas ended in the early hours of the morning. Then he was taken to the headquarters of the Roman governor. His accusers didn't go inside because it would defile them, and they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Passover. So Pilate, the governor, went out to them and asked, What is your charge against this man? We wouldn't have handed him over to you if he weren't a criminal, they retorted. Then take him away and judge him by your own law, Pilate told them. Only the Romans are permitted to execute someone, the Jewish leaders replied. This fulfilled Jesus' prediction about the way he would die. Then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked him. Jesus replied, Is this your own question? Or did others tell you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate retorted. Your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, So you are a king. Jesus responded, You say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. What is truth? Pilate asked. Then he went out again to the people and told them, He is not guilty of any crime, but you have a custom of asking me to release one prisoner each year at Passover. Would you like me to release this king of the Jews? But they shouted back, No, not this man. We want Barabbas. Barabbas was a revolutionary. It is amazing to think about how in control of his arrest Jesus was. The silly guards were no match for Jesus. He could have easily slipped away from them as he had so many times with the religious leaders and the people of Nazareth. But his purpose this time was not to slip away. It was to fulfill what he was born to do. He was born to die. And he was not going to let anything get in his way. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth? And Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. That's John 18, verses 3 through 8. And when Jesus said that he was the one they were looking for, the soldiers and the officers drew back and they fell to the ground. This would have been a perfect opportunity for him to escape. But no, that wasn't the will of the Father. Not this time. This was his time, his moment, to lay down his life for his friends. And that includes me. He laid down his life for me. He didn't run away when the going got tough. He waited for the soldiers and the officers to get back up so that he could be beaten, falsely tried, and crucified 
so that I could receive eternal life. Jesus is my superhero, and he can be yours too. In fact, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. But the good shepherd loved us enough to die for us so that we could truly live for him. I think it's time for a bonus song. So here's a song from my latest solo record called We Are Loved, and the song is called All We Like Sheep. Is planted 
Chapter 19 Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple robe on him. Hail, King of the Jews! They mocked as they slapped him across the face. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I am going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said, Look, here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priests and the temple guards began shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, By our law, he ought to die because he called himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Why don't you talk to me? Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or to crucify you? Then Jesus said, You would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leaders shouted, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement, in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover, and Pilate said to the people, Look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. What? Crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called the Place of the Skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side, with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, so that many people could read it. Then the leading priests objected and said to Pilate, change it from the king of the Jews to he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate replied, no, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says, they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to his disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It was the day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath because it was Passover week. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you may continue to believe. These things happen in fulfillment of the scriptures that say, not one of his bones will be broken, and they will look on the one they pierced.
Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices and long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. I love that we see Nicodemus here again near the end of the Gospel of John. There is no real indication back in John 3 that Nicodemus ever put his faith in Christ. He seemed to be interested and intrigued by Jesus. By cover of night, he met with Jesus in John 3. I guess you could say that was the original episode of Nick at Night. Anyway. And there he asked Jesus honest questions that were on his heart about God and about who Jesus truly was. It was in that conversation when Jesus told Nicodemus plainly that God loved the world so much that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And now here we see Nicodemus again. It says this, After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and he took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. That's John 19, verses 38 and 39. Nicodemus, it appears, hung around just close enough to learn more about Jesus. He watched him from a distance, but never really seemed to respond to his gospel invitation. Not until Christ had actually laid down his life for the sins of the world. Then, it appears, Nicodemus made his decision to believe in Jesus. There's no way that he would bring about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes to anoint the body of some crazy everyday average criminal, nor would he be willing to expose himself to a dead body, forfeiting his ability to participate in Passover celebrations unless he really believed that he was caring for the very Son of God. From a distance, over the course of time, I believe Nicodemus weighed the facts and came to the conclusion that Jesus truly was who he said he was. Perhaps Nicodemus is somewhat like you, dear listener. Maybe you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Maybe you would come to him through the cover of night, through maybe even the form of listening to a simple daily podcast, because you're interested and intrigued, but you have never actually responded to his invitation. One day, it will be too late to respond to his free gift of eternal life. But that day is not today. Today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice calling you, if your heart is burning within you, do not harden your heart, but rather, like Nicodemus, respond in faith. Today, to send you out, I want to share a song from If We, and the song is called God of Exchanges. You took my emptiness You took my brokenness You took, you take it all You gave me healing You gave me all Give, you gave it all 
Sustains through the struggle and pain. 